UFC lightweight contender Dan Hooker, man, always good to have you on the show. How is life right now, man? I I know that there's a lot of cameras following you around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have been they have been for the last week. Um, I've got ESPN trailing me uh, everywhere I go for the last three days, and uh, a couple of days before that, I had the UFC countdown team. So it's a uh, it's a good sign that that things are getting close. Definitely, man. Uh, second straight main event. How does that feel to be a main event back-to-back? Because most guys don't even make it to the main event once in their career. Oh, it's pretty surreal. Like, I can't... You know, I've always just been a fan of the sport. Like, when I got into this, I was... I was UFC wasn't even a possibility to me when I first started MMA. There was no one from New Zealand in the UFC. So I, I never even connected the dots until I started to see, you know, James Tahuna, Mark Hunt... Um, make their debut in the UFC and it kind of I kind of was like man it is a possibility for me like oh well I'll give this a shot you know like but I have no real chance of matching up with these guys but then I got in there competed against them and I figured it out you know like I these guys are human just like me if you grab their neck they go out if you hit them on the chin they go out and so it's given me um, a lot of confidence through the years. Yeah, I think a lot of fighters and even fans, they put certain fighters at a certain level on a pedestal, right? For yourself, as you rose up the ranks, like, do you destroy the pedestal in your mind yourself? Or is it just like once you get in there and fight them, like you said, they're just humans? Yeah, well, it can come from it can come from the training room or it can come from, you know, real life combat. You start getting in there with guys you watch. Like, I, I remember when I first um, made my lightweight debut, against Ross Pearson in Auckland. Like, Ross was a guy that I watched on The Ultimate Fighter, and he was he was on that show, and he was, like, he couldn't be touched on The Ultimate Fighter. And so that was, like, the first one. Well, actually, before that, it was when, uh, you know, Hatsu Aoki, when I, when I fought him in Adelaide in the UFC uh, at Featherweight, and I was like, man, I'm fighting Hatsu Aoki. I remember people used to talk about him as the number one pound-for-pound featherweight before a featherweight division in the in the ufc they were like this guy's the best featherweight in the world so when i actually got in there and competed against them not only competed but knocked them out i was like whoa like maybe i don't suck (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was he was considered the number one contender at that time i believe in and he didn't take the title fight which was kind of wild right yeah, I think he goes down in history as like one of the only guys to be offered a offered a title fight and to having uh, to turn it down. Yeah. Him and uh, him and Jorge Masvidal, I think, are the so the <laughs> yeah. fight, very yeah. very fine very fine uh, few between. Exactly, exclusive club, right? Now, I see that you signed a new deal with the UFC. Congratulations on that. Was it a easy? Was it an easy process for you? You know, right now, a lot of people are talking in the media about their contract situations. Yeah, I think they're just, um, it seems to be the in-trend negotiation tactic at the moment. But things for myself specifically have always been, they've always been pretty straightforward with the UFC. Um, my interactions with the UFC, if I feel like I deserve more, it's, it's um, I've not been... I've always asked for it, you know. If I felt like I would deserve more money or, or the number was a little low, we, we can have a open discussion. But when it comes to fighting, I'm a very easy person to deal with. There's the reason why they they are bringing me over as one of the first international guys to to fly. 
to America or to travel, I'm one of the first to bring in is because I don't muck around. When when they call, I answer the call and I'm I'm ready and I come to put on a show. Well, you know, speaking of being one of the first international fighters to fly into the U.S., this fight against Dustin was announced officially two weeks out. There must have been some complications. I heard visa issues. How was the last couple of weeks? You know, were you on, on the edge of your seat, basically? Like, maybe this might not happen. There's like two, there's two trains of thought, right? There's the train of thought of me in the gym and then outside of the gym. But in the gym, this was going down the whole time, you know? Um, this I had this locked in. This was concrete. This is going down because you can't train. This is not a sport that you can train in one foot in the door, one foot out the door. You have to be 100% committed or turn the fight down. That's it. That's the simple decision you have to make as a fighter. So, you know, visas up in the air. Can we leave the country? Can we get back in the country? Um, is it even possible? That, of course, was like a major concern. But when I walk in the gym, all of that gets blocked out of my mind and I'm just there I'm just there to train. So I feel confident in how fit I am. I feel confident in my preparation because I've had my foot on the pedal um, since the UFC re-approached me about this fight. This fight, you know, was supposed to happen on May 16th. Was there any point throughout that time where you kind of gave up on the thought of fighting Dustin and said, okay, I need to move on and maybe go after another guy. Bro, that's the crazy thing about this whole fight is that it was scheduled for May 16th. I was in contract negotiations with the UFC. They were, they were a day away from being finalized. Like everything had been agreed to. Um, I was just waiting for my contract to come through. Then the whole COVID-19 situation, the world shuts down. New Zealand goes into level four lockdown. Um, we close our borders. The U.S. closed their borders. And the UFC the whole time was still telling me that this fight was going down May 16th. They said, nah, nah, it's still on. Keep training, keep training. And level four lockdown in New Zealand meant that you couldn't interact with anyone outside of your, your household. So I live with my wife and my 18-month-old daughter. And that's where I did uh, the first week 12 to week seven of my training camp was locked, locked. <laughs> In my house with them, you weren't allowed to go to the gym, even even by yourself. Like, I own a gym, an empty gym. I wasn't really even allowed down there. Um, and you weren't even allowed to go further than local. So every, like, running track I could get to was outside of my immediate area. So that was uh, off the cards as well. So it was, like I was saying before, with the, with the mental side of things, and then the reality side of things. In my mind, I was committed. Like I was going for runs and, and doing push-ups and pull-ups to prepare myself for the for the Poirier fight. Um, also, I kind of wanted, I was playing chicken with the UFC. I would have got on a plane. If they would have sent a plane down here for May 16th, 100% would have got on that plane just, just to play chicken with the UFC. But it was, wasn't until like a week or a week and a half before May 16th and the UFC came back to me and they were like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for admitting that this wasn't going to happen. But they told me that the, the fight was still, um, we could still get the fight done. They came back to me. What are we, what are we now? So they came to me like three weeks ago and said, okay, we've got a new date, still the same opponent. And I was, I was happy to accept it. 
during that time, you know, I guess you're just focusing on your, your cardio and your fitness, keeping your weight down because you know how to fight. You know what I mean? Like there's the game planning side of things where you have to work with your coaches, right? So it wasn't like that big of a burden, was it? It wasn't, right? During the lockdown? No, like it was it was funny to be honest. Like so after the Felder fight, like that was like a, a pretty tough five rounds against a pretty tough opponent. And um that would have been eleven weeks from that fight till May sixteenth till I fought um Dustin Poria on that date. And I was telling people, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm good, I'm healthy. But I was, I had some issues, man. I, I had to let my body rest, um, and I did. We we went into lockdown, and I was still obviously like could move and and could run and could stay fit and stay active. But I was, it took a lot of mental um, focus to pull myself back into fight camp to be like, all right. Let's go back to the hard sparring. Let's go back to the hard wrestling, the hard conditioning session. So it was kind of refreshing to have a break from that and just work on my strength, work on my fitness, and and let my body repair itself and and get fitter and stronger. So the first half of this camp has been just focusing on my fitness. Then when we were allowed back in the gym and back to sparring, back to wrestling, um, all that timings come back and all that like real time technique has all has all come back pretty quickly and so i'm feeling my body feels better than it would usually feel like usually we'll do a 12-week camp no days off for the last two months and by the time you get to the fight you're you got a lot of niggles and you're beaten up from sparring um and wrestling and all the spider sessions but my body feels good you know i've, I've only been you know in the grinder in the trenches for the last four weeks so i feel fit feel strong and and the timing and game planning is is all taken care of um in my opinion do you feel like moving forward with your career this could maybe be the protocol of future camps is doing it this way or do you like the old way where you're in camp in the trenches for like eight weeks or so uh, i feel like this is uh this is a little holiday i don't think i don't mm. think we'll be able to get that past uh eugene very quickly if i go to <laughs> if i if i go to eugene and be like oh you know what huge i think that i should be doing four week camps instead of eight week camps he will dog shot me and tell me to get back in the gym <laughs> <laughs> nah i like it i like it but both. this one just feels like a holiday but but one-off. One we'll say it's a one-off. Now, going back to that Paul Felder fight, you know, it was a five-round war. Um, you you had to perform in, in front of your home crowd. It was, a, I think you said, first time in front of your family. There's a lot of pressure with that. And, and going for 25 minutes, is there a lot that you proved to yourself with that fight? Not just getting the win, though, but just going through everything. Um, Just the, yeah, the mix of everything. Like, I'm, I'm really good at it dealing with the pressure and high pressure situations um like i don't i don't ever get nervous and I, I wasn't nervous but it just took a lot of energy it just took a lot of what took every ounce of energy i had to keep the keep the train on the tracks like there was there was a lot going into that we um the open workouts there's like a thousand people you know like friends and family like there was there was a lot to deal with 2000 people again friends and family at the at the weigh-ins then to go into the fight and compete 10,000 people that at some stage or another I've bumped into in my life so there was no way I would never live it down if I had lost that fight so I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything that went that went down perfectly 
Now, with City Kickboxing, how long have they been open for? So, we have been back training. Um, so, there's like a level system in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Level four was just locked. Um, we, were, we were all locked out of the gyms during level four. When it went to level three, we were allowed um, to interact with a group of 10 people. So, um, we got back and Huge had split the whole gym up and we were operating at different parts of the gym at different times. Um, in our groups of 10 people, I had Kai Karafrantz. I was in the little the little people group. I was Kai Karafrantz, Brad Riddell, Shane Young. Uh, so we had the lighter guys. That was our group. Um, so that was just good to get back in the gym and spy and, and get some like real-time work done. And, and that was probably like four or five weeks ago. But then okay. when it went down to level two, we, we resumed training. So we've been back and in, in full swing in our usual mode. Um, for the last for the last three weeks, three and a half weeks. Dustin Poirier, do you feel like he's the the most complete fighter you have faced so far in your career? Uh, I'm gonna I have to think about that question. He definitely poses a lot of threats. Like I definitely know what I'm getting myself in for. He's a very strong um, boxer, very strong puncher. Great pace. The guy has a great pace on him. Strong, strong wrestler. Um, and and I think the the main threat is just his main event experience. Like this is this will be like his fourth or fifth main event. And I know from going through a main event and going the full five rounds how much experience I gained from just that one occasion. So he's gone through it five times. I have to that that level that level of experience has to be respected. Um, and I definitely do, but I feel like I have the tools to get a job done against Dustin. I feel like if we match style for style, um, I feel like I'm just a little, I'm a little sharper on the feet. Now put on your analyst hat, you know what I mean? When you look at his last fight against Habib, what did you think of that fight and, and how it ended up? Um, to be honest, I haven't even watched that fight. Me and Habib... <laughs> Me and a B, like I watched it at the time. I obviously watched it at the time, but that's um, that's a completely different style matchup for me. Him, him versus Khabib, and, and me versus Khabib. Me and Khabib have about um, polar opposite skill sets as you can you can possibly imagine. So um, that's not a fight like I I would be able to get a lot of confidence from because I I just don't have the same skill set that Khabib does. Like or, or our skill set is so so different from one another am i going to am i going to push dustin poirier against the fence take him down and wrestle him probably not probably not probably i'm gonna look to strike and pick him apart on the feet and i don't think that is a secret to anybody dustin in his last few fights he's been in some pretty incredible brawls where you know he, he he lands, but he gets hit too at the same time. Mm -hmm. Do you think durability is going to be a, a major factor in this fight? I'm I'm interested. Like this, um, I'm counting on the full five rounds. I'm counting on him being able to talk, take the shots. Definitely, you have to. You can't go in there thinking you're going to knock someone out of the water, and then they don't. That's when you lose. So, um, but in terms of you know, Fowler, Fowler would have to be the the best person that can take a shot that that i've fought in my career like the best poker face let's just say the best poker face because i was hitting with stuff and i was like i know that hurts 
and usually you see like usually you see like the corner of someone's eye like just tingle or something they they twitch or they sigh or they breathe out like they need some relief and that's like my um that's like my my cue to take them out that's like my I was like waiting for that cue waiting for the one to see where I oh that one's definitely hurt him now I'll pick up the pace now I'll look to take him out but uh Felder's an incredible actor like he 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 had that like no one else I've ever competed against. Poirier from watching his fights. I don't think he has the same poker face. I think when he's hurt, you can see it. I think when he's tired, you can see it. I don't think I don't think he hides that very well. And I think I'm one of the best of the world at seeing that. At seeing when someone's hurt and, and knowing when and where to pull the trigger. With everything that is on the line in this fight. Do you feel like there's a sense of urgency to finish Poirier? You meant you just said that you're ready for five rounds, but the finish would probably just put everybody up in arms and be like, Dan Hooker, he's the next guy in line. Is that the type of mentality you're going in with? That's like the finishing's just in, that's how my game is designed. Like mm-hmm. when I first walked in the gym, it was to excite and to finish and um that's not something I have to, whenever I try to do it, it's like whenever you try to knock someone out, you never knock them out because you, you're looking for it too much, you tense too much, which when you tense, you slow your punches down. Um, I just have to stay loose, stay relaxed, and to be honest, just be myself. Like that's just the natural part of my game. When I am go out there and I just touch the other guy, they fall over generally most of the time. So it's not something that I have to go out and force. You can never, you can never force the finish. Finishes, they just, they just come, they just come to you. All right. Now looking at the division, right? You got Habib and Gaethje most likely are gonna fight in September or October, sometime around there. And you got Conor McGregor retired, but he's still floating around. You got Ferguson up there still. Um, for you, what's the? Are those the only logical options? Do you think after this fight, after you get a win? You tell me. Of course, of course. That's the. Those are the only options. You get a win there, it's going to be fighting for a title is what I'm going to be pushing for. And I feel like I have the best resume in the division. And it'll be hard for the UFC to to push McGregor ahead of me. Um, Ferguson definitely needs to get back on a win. But I don't feel like... I feel like I, I've earned my, my place in the title picture. Um with a win, especially a finish over a guy like Dustin Poirier, that that puts me as the the next guy in line for the title shot. Um, I'm not going to go chasing Conor McGregor. I'm not going to go chasing Tony Ferguson. He's coming off a loss. Would I fight them? Of course. But I feel like they're going to have to call me out for once. I'm I'm the guy that's been chasing all of these guys down for a very long time. But this puts me. Um, with the shiny little ticket in my pocket, and one of them has to one of them has to say my name. Someone else has to say my name for once. How about that? So you're just gonna go radio silent and just wait. I'll wait. I'll play the waiting game. Now, nah, to be honest, I'm not very good at that. I'm not very good at being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not patience is probably a virtue that I have. I have no part. Uh, a former uh, opponent. Gilbert Burns, you know, he's moved up to welterweight. He's 4-0. Now he's about to fight for the title. Man, how amazing is that, you know, to watch someone like that just make that switch? You know, kind of similar to what, you've been, what you're doing right now. Good for him. Good for him. 
Um, you know, we fought. That was nothing but respect. And, I, you know, we wished each other well in, in um, each other's careers. Like, there's no hard feelings going back with, with um, Gilbert Burns. Like, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a very strong fighter. And, you know, it was just a, just a good result for me. When, when you're in this game and you actually know it for what it is, right, you don't – we don't put people on a pedestal. Like, I don't put any of those big-name guys on a pedestal. I know I know I can beat any of them in the world. It's the, it's the fans that – that put them on a pedestal. They're like, this guy's undefeatable. This guy has wrestles bears and can't be stopped. Like, I, <laughs> I know if I grab his neck and squeeze, he's gonna go out. Like, there's no, there's no. I don't put anyone on a pedestal. I can be any man walking the face of this earth. It's just, um, yeah, the fans that look more at that pedestal stuff. So. Even when I was like arguing, like jokingly arguing with like Tyron Woodley, and everyone's like, "Oh, but he's welterweight. He'd manhandle you, blah blah blah." It's like I've stood next to the guy. Like he's small. He's a small guy. Like he's not a big guy. Like I would fight him in a heartbeat. Like weight classes is it's a thing so they can build divisions and sell tickets and have championships. Like that's what it's for. But when you're a real fighter and you know what it is and what it's all about. Um, yeah. It because all of these guys are human, in my opinion. Well, I think a lot of people that say like he's a welterweight, they don't know your resume. If they go back <laughs> and check their credentials, right? It's they don't yeah, know, yeah. right? They they better go back and, you know, get some hi history on on Dan Hooker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a gang, gang. Let's just say that. Definitely, definitely. Well, Man, June 27th, uh, UFC, Las Vegas. Man, it's a huge fight. It's going to be incredible, huge man. Huge crowd. Uh, watching, um, yeah, no crowd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hey, it's I, I like that aspect of it. I enjoy it right yeah, now. Yeah. We should enjoy it while we have it because it's going to be gone eventually. Thank you so much, Dan, for the time. And uh, enjoy yourself, man. And be safe with the family. Yeah, we will do. Thank you very much. Cheers, brother.